A happy new year to everyone. Welcome back, therefore, to the Midfield Battle, episode two, first one of 2023 with my guest this time. You all know Brett, and today we're going to introduce to you as well Tavish and Noah Morris, part of the greatest intramural team you'll ever hear of. So, <laughs> boys, feel free, you know the rules. If you listen to the first episode, feel free to introduce yourselves. And all I want to know is not your major, like Brett, I want to know your name, where you're from, where you're calling from. Your favorite club, player, and jersey number. Tav, take it away. All right. Hi, how's it going? My name's Tav. Um, I'm from St. Paul, Minnesota. I'm calling you from Honolulu, Hawaii. Uh, my favorite club is Tottenham Hotspur. Um, favorite kit number. Um, I have a real soft spot for 23. I like that kit number a lot. That's what I wore in high school. Um, and my favorite player has got to be Hyun Min Son. Mm. For 23, like the great Emre Chan, huh? Yeah, exactly. 23, I mean, it, it's definitely the number of a goat. No, no, which one? <laughs> one of them. <laughs> one of them. Noah, follow it up. Top it if you can. All right. Um, what's up, everybody? My name is Noah Morris. I'm from Rochester, Minnesota. Uh, I'm calling in from the capital of the United States right now, Washington, D.C. Um, favorite club, Southampton. Favorite jersey number eight for the great James Ward Prowse, and uh, favorite player at the moment is kind of insane. I'm I'm on a a Seku Mara kick. Oh, I've been just loving watching him like in a Southampton kit, and then just YouTube highlights in my free time at like one in the morning. Just glorious. Given fantasy commitment, I was expecting like a Matt Turner or something. <laughs> Speaking of brand. <laughs> From legends from the U.S. What happened there? And more importantly, why Saints? Why Southampton? So, so back when I was getting into, um, like, getting into soccer a little bit more, um, I wanted to try to watch the Premier League and you know experience soccer outside of the U.S. Um, and I tuned in and I saw. Uh, I think it was in 2012 seventh grade i saw a southampton game against man united where southampton lost two to three it was a a van percy hat trick but the thing that like drew me the most out of the game was watching ricky lambert and uh <laughs> uh what's his name i forget his first name right now schneiderlin Morgan. uh score goals to put southampton at two two was just I, I I remember watching it like falling in love with the style of play and like just these like really gritty players, and then after that you know a lot of mid table finishes, but I really still enjoyed the team and uh, how they put together the culture in Southampton, and then in 2016 got to be a part of the fandom that watched the Europa League um, uh, glory years, and then. Here we are now. <laughs> How about you, Tab? Because I know your club is pretty unique in your way, too. It's not the usual Liverpools of the world. Like oh, right. right after that 2010 World Cup is kind of when I started watching uh, football. Um, and shortly thereafter, Gareth Bale was pretty much the man. Shout out to him. Congrats on retirement. Um, but yeah, that 2011, 2012, and then 2012, 2013 seasons watching Bale and just like following that kind of on YouTube and on the internet more so than actually watching it. Um, and then 
really starting to follow and become passionate when Pochettino became manager and obviously all the joy that came out of that. Um, going to the Champions League final, losing to mighty Liverpool. Of course, that was heartbreaking, but just so many good years consecutively. Brett, how are you doing? How's it been to be back in the first confirmed champion and uh, resistant from episode one? Yeah, I feel good. Persistence is always good. And I force myself into the situation of being in the second episode. Mm -hmm. Actually, that's not true. I tried to get Taha back in here, but he uh, <laughs> he's busy today. So, hey, I just want to set the record straight R real quick. Just want to because I know that you threw some shade at me regarding my Liverpool fandom. But I am a, I've been a fan since like 2012 or 2013. Um, uh, the, the late, great Raheem Sterling, I say late because he's now on the, not on Liverpool anymore and plays for a very, very bad club in England. Um, <laughs> but watching him play as, as a youngster, do you remember like, uh, how electrifying he was when he played? And I, I didn't know much about the sport at the time. So, Oof. Uh, I saw him playing internationally, I think, either in the 2014 World Cup. Yeah. I don't know if he got a cap in the 2012 oh, Euro. Oh, he was. Um, I don't know. Not Euro, but in the World Cup, it was a electric front three of like him, Danny Welbeck, and Rooney. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I remember because they were against Italy you know, last time we were in a World Cup. So it's dear to the heart. Yeah. So I, I, I remember watching him internationally and I, what club is he on? Liverpool. So. I, that's when I started supporting club club football. But before, I would I would obviously watch the World Cup and so on. So I'm not a fake fan. I've been around for the good days and the bad days. And today's a very bad day, for example. But Tell me about it. What happened? I don't know. It's just, you know, we there's been tons of talk about Liverpool selling. There are so many needs that Liverpool has to compete with the Man Cities. And like the, even the Newcastles of the, the Premier League going forward. Um, and one of which is to have depth and to be able to deal with the injury crisis that they've endured lately, um, especially in the midfield. And it's just to get dominated by Brighton, even though Brighton is a good team, uh, is really sad to watch. Um, so it makes the signing of, of Gakpo a bit sour and, and yeah, wasn't a good, wasn't a good day for, for Liverpool. Are you are you hoping that they do get bought out so that they can have more money, or do they have enough money now that they're just not investing? It would make them a better club. They could they would be able to compete with the Man City. So it's, I think it's like a, it's a lot of ambivalence amongst the. It, Klopp himself has has sort of criticized the the Saudi buyers of of City and then Newcastle lately. Um, so yeah, I think I think a lot yeah. of fans are feeling ambivalent because it, it makes the club better, but it it sort of makes the culture worse. That would be ironic if like Liverpool gets bought out by one of these guys after all the club criticism. And who knows, you just turn into the next Chelsea and start spending 100 million on Ukrainian <laughs> players. Or you could just keep buying players off, off uh, Southampton or like over the years. How do you feel about that, Noah? <laughs> like, why, why does that keep happening over time and time? Beginning with Ricky Lambert. I mean, I, the problem is like I understand it from a financial standpoint. Like being being a team that you know we have these various owners coming in in the past few years that are trying to buy. You're you're coming in, kind of thinking with the mentality of a a mid high mid table team that's just going to stay in the Premier League, generate revenue, but you're not going to have to invest too much in because you can get some like 
you know, younger players in from, you know, France or uh, St. Mary's Academy. And I mean, it, it just turns into a, it turns into a money mill, which is very frustrating because you have generational talents that have come through the Southampton um, Academy or like we have bought them as youth players and just, you know, like you have Virgil van Dyke's a, a prime example. I mean, we bought him, before he was like the greatest center back, he was a good center back in Germany. And, you know, he comes over, does amazing. And you sell him at the first time that you can get some decent value back for him. You know, Sadio Mane, same thing. Uh, Gareth Bale stayed for a little while longer. Even like, even, even you have players like, I mean, you have players like Danny Ings who come in and it turns into like, it seems like it's just value flipping constantly and and for someone like that where you're just getting a decent striker you, the focus should be to keep some veterans in you know to compete at the highest premier league level because as much as i love the team right now it's it's hard to start a team of you know bazunu salisu bella kochap sekumara diallo um with che adams up top and compete against any premier league team you're just missing a little bit of veteran leadership and james ward prowse is only one guy there's so much. There's only so much that he can do out there, and he does it all. But you know, we were talking earlier about uh, the Saints when you guys were challenging and trying to get into Europa League and all that. And if you try to even suggest that today, you're taken for crazy. And I don't know what's changed. I mean, the talent maybe isn't. You don't have the Manes now, the Van Dykes or whatever. But I think there's some good talent. I don't know. Has the managerial change helped? I feel not. I know you're quite a big of a fan of the previous one. The ownership doesn't want to invest in the players that the managers really want when they're coming. I know we had a big thing with um, McKinney a few years ago. We didn't end up getting him. We got outbid. Um, frustratingly, we should have gotten Gakpo um, before. I think we agreed to terms and then just the club didn't want to sell him at the end of the day. Was this um, before the World which- Cup? This was before the World Cup, so we were going to get him on a budget, and it was just amazing. But I mean, we have some we have some good players that we're targeting that I think Nathan Jones wants to bring in, and uh, it kind of all depends on if the manner the the ownership is willing to spend that money. And I think that uh, I think that this period of time is going to show Southampton fans a little bit what they had in Hassan Hoodle. and as much as they wanted Hassan Hoodle out, um, I think he's the best manager to come in the South Coast since 2016. We just finished on 2022. Who's your standout player of the year? And I'm just talking, not necessarily the Ballon d'Or and just answer it with Benzema, but if you think of one player that really stood out uh, in 2022 above the rest of the competition as main guy, you could even justify me Ronaldo just for how he's in the middle of the news with his move to Asia. But yeah, who would you say out of all your names? player that I just am endlessly impressed by in an era so dominated by Messi and Ronaldo um, is Luka Modric. I think people kind of saw him maybe on his way out potentially. I mean, he's 37 years old. Um, What does he do? He wins the Champions League with Real Madrid in one of the most spectacular uh, campaigns we've ever seen, obviously led by Benzema. Um, and then he goes to the World Cup with a Croatia team that everyone kind of thought was in past their prime, past their you know uh, window of opportunity. And what does he do? He takes them to third place in the tournament, leading them. Um, 
And I just think he really, really solidified himself. Obviously, winning a Ballon d'Or still in the heyday of Messi and Ronaldo. Um, but when we look back uh, on this generation of players, I think you're going to look and you're going to say Messi, Ronaldo, and then Modric. I think he has a real case for being that third guy um, as the best player of this generation. I just think he's amazing and he just continues to prove it even at 37 years old. And he doesn't even look like he's going to slow down. He's just unbelievable. We keep talking about uh, the comparison of Modric with the Xavi's, the Iniesta's and so on. Where do you rank him compared to these guys, especially given the longevity and everything you were saying just now? Um, I mean, it's so hard to say. I think that Barcelona team was so... Uh, it just changed the game so much. But I think what impresses me the most about Modric is what he's brought on an international level, not just club level. Um, obviously, the styles of play between Barcelona and Madrid have been pretty different um, in the last 10, 15 years. Um, but just what he brings to Croatia and the control he brings to a midfield um, and how much success he's brought to such a small nation, that's really where I see him. It's so hard for me to say that he's a better player objectively than Iniesta or Xavi. But in my mind, Iniesta and Xavi, they're almost a package. Like I think without one, there couldn't be the other. They just they complemented each other so well. And you see Modric, whether it's internationally, obviously he's played with some amazing players um, on with Madrid, but I just I feel like he individually can make it happen anywhere. And I don't think the same could be said for Iniesta or Xavi if you put them on the Croatia national team. Spot on. Brett, Noah, want to jump in? Yeah, I can. I'm going to go. Oh, no, 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 go ahead, Noah. Let, let, let Brett take it. No, no, no. Your team's placed nah, higher you than go, mine in the you league. Go. Your, your team's placed higher than mine in the league. I'm like, I'm last in consideration. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's how it works. You talk 18th or whatever. No, what, what is uh, what is Southampton? <laughs> what is Southampton? Uh, we are what? We're 19th right now? Hey. More, I mean, there, there's like a three. There's like a three uh three way tie at the bottom, isn't there right now? You guys are twentieth. <laughs> ah, I thought we jumped it. Ah. Wow, that's heartbreaking. Um, hey, as long hey, you guys have fun at the top. We're we're, we're living life. Oh, we sure we're at the top. It's all fifteens. It's all. Um, it's hard for me to talk about the the player of 2022 without thinking Prem Benzema. Like I think he has almost 50 goals in the 2021-2022 season. Like it's insane. It's it's completely ridiculous um, how good he he has been in 2022. Players like Ebb and Flow. We think of like Erling Holland at the beginning of the Premier League season, just completely taking the league by storm. Um, and then what sticks most recently in my mind is obviously Messi uh, toward the end of. Uh, the end of 2022, winning the World Cup, and and Mbappe like having an incredible impact on on a uh, a French side that I think was was much worse than the the team that won the World Cup in in 2018. Um, yeah, it's really hard for me to say. I think, yeah, I'm going to say Messi. I don't love Messi, but but I think the him getting the trophy is is a, a massive achievement and really solidifies his his place not only in 2022 but sort of uh in the history of football as the greatest player to ever to ever live this is such a good like um cherry on top yeah it'll be so interesting to see now that he's won the world cup and he's quite literally proved everything i mean he must be playing you know he has nothing less to prove even though he already didn't but he must just be playing with so much bliss like it must now he just gets to enjoy and i i can't wait to see 
what what comes from that. I think we could see some ridiculous stuff coming forward, or we could see him decline. Yeah. It's so odd. Like, imagine a, a a season now. Who knows? PSG goes past Bayern, which will be huge, in the round of sixteen. They win yeah. their league as they always do, and let's say it's of course the front three that carries it a bit, and maybe it's Mbappe, maybe it's Neymar, maybe it's Messi. How much does that contribute to Messi's case for being yet again the Ballon d'Or top candidate, or maybe Mbappe, who I would say is. For for me, my pick for everything he's done in 2022, he's been doing it for the past few years. But I really feel like, especially the tie against Madrid, the past few seasons, but especially last one, how much he's taking control uh, off the PSG side, that even the last minute switch and refusing turning down Madrid to stay at PSG and be the front guy of that front three and uh, what he's done in the World Cup, I think it's really been the year where Mbappe is like really the cover boy for the game, not only for the future, as we keep saying, for this next decade, but starting now. So, Yeah, I feel like watching, obviously, Messi wins, gets the glory and he gets the credit for winning the World Cup. But that, that World Cup final, in my eyes, like really did solidify like now is Mbappe's yeah. time. Like I think it... Obviously, these last four years, he's been so good. He's been so effective. Um, but it, even though he lo- loses the game, he it feels like the torch was finally passed on to him. Um, you know, and that torch is something that we thought would maybe be passed down to, you know, Neymar or um, Lewandowski or someone, and it never was because the longevity of Messi and Ronaldo was so impressive. But you watch that final and you go, "Yeah, this is he is the best in the world." I, I honestly think there's an argument he is the best in the world. Um, even with Messi in his current form, I, he's, he's, he's just that good. Noah, um, I mean, the simple answer. I think I think it's twenty twenty two best player of the year. I think you have to say Messi, just just because of what we watched these past few months yeah. of him putting a nation on his back. And I mean, the Argentina team is good, but they're not. You take Messi out of that team, you put anybody else, and it's not a World Cup winning team. It, it's just not at the end of the day. And I, you know, it's, it was just mind blowing to watch him take over in the knockout rounds. And you could see that it's something that he really wanted for himself. And it's something that he wasn't going to leave the World Cup without getting that trophy for the, for the last time he plays in an Argentina jersey, maybe, you know. Um, but I mean, other than that, the, the only, the only other player that I, that I think was my 2022 player of the year was probably Sadio Mane. Just because of you know what he did for what he did for his club, what he's done for Liverpool forever, him and Salah, you know. But then, especially the international football really grabs me because you see players playing with like a certain level of pride and effort that might not always come out at the club level, and putting Senegal on his back to win their first African Cup of Nations um, last February was it was an amazing tournament to watch, and you know I I, I didn't see that level of play replicated a lot in 2022 so yeah and you look at what Liverpool is now without him you yeah. know I think Salah got so much credit obviously scored more goals than Mane in the time together but you watch them and you realize wow Mane they really, really needed that work. yeah yeah I mean he's just so talismanic and so important um all aspects the way he pressed the way he moved the ball the way he moved off the ball it's just yeah I, I would have loved that he got a chance in the World Cup I just I think Senegal could have gotten farther than they did. Yeah. What do you, what do you think about that, Brett? 
Well, I was going to say, do you say the same thing about Mohamed Salah? If if uh, if they win the Afcon, yeah, I think so. Yeah, I suppose, and if they qualify for the World Cup, maybe. Um, yeah, I would have loved to see Sadio Mane in the World Cup. I think Senegal is a completely different team. I think they potentially advance beyond the the round of sixteen with a healthy Sadio Mane. But, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think the the I I will be first to say that that the loss of Sadio Mane has been huge and the biggest loss recently for Liverpool. But there are so much. Uh, the crux of the issue right now is in the midfield, and I I, I think that that Darwin Nunez is like a, a very good footballer um, and will be very good for a while. Um, and he adds a lot of things. I think of like the, especially when he was first signed, the the commitment to pressing and the the endurance um, and the the spark that that Sadio Mane would provide often. Um, that isn't really an attribute of Salah or Firmino, for example. I think the the tireless work ethic is for the latter, but um, yeah, I, I think, you know, the old midfield of uh, the average age is like, well, you have Tiago, you have Henderson, you have Fabinho. It's just not, not getting the job done. I think you throw Sadio Mane in the side and uh, the results look at least a bit similar, uh, maybe perhaps somewhat better, but um, there's a lot of issues at Liverpool structurally um, that I don't think are remedied by uh, the thought experiment of Sadio Mane returning, for example. I mean, I could definitely agree with that. I mean, and I think Mane, all of you guys make great picks. I mean, Mane as well. I saw people were shocked when he came in second in the Ballon d'Or voting. And people, I don't think, give enough credit to what you said, Noah, like the winning pen and AFCON after carrying his team throughout the tournament in a crazy tournament that Mm -hmm. made us realize how cool the African football can be. I mean, the craziest thing to me was the fact that he misses a penalty six minutes into that game and then still goes and takes that penalty. Like, like it's absolutely, you don't get that from a lot of players. You don't get that level of mental, like mental strength. Then he goes again. What was it? A month later or two months later to eliminate the same team against Egypt again, to knock them out of the qualifiers to the world cup and qualify his country to the world cup. And suddenly they had the whole momentum. Who knows? We're talking about what ifs and all that. If he was available, if the World Cup was in the summer instead of winter, and therefore they keep riding that momentum and everything. Speaking of momentum, he keeps doing great with Liverpool, who are making a big comeback in the league. And uh, in the final, I'd say, and even before the final, he was really carrying that Liverpool side. Sure, Salah had his chances too, but I'd say Mane was a standout. He had the chance where Courtois saved it to the post. And just the way he was carrying Liverpool, I think he was their man. And... I don't know. Maybe that's why he moved to Bayern and wanted to be the uh, front guy over there too. And who knows? I think he goes underappreciated somehow. And second in the Ballon d'Or, I think, is the least he should have gotten. Of course, you couldn't argue against Benzema, but he definitely is among the best players in the world from this past year. And I hope he keeps it up because he really deserves all the work ethic he's been putting through. All, ever since he was... Uh, hat trick, uh, what was it? Record goal scorer for for Saints, <laughs> for Southampton. Yeah, that's probably why I have such a special place in my heart for him. Actually, <laughs> just the the glory years where we could score some goals. Yeah, <laughs> is that is that shared amongst all Liverpool uh, ex Southampton Liverpool players or no? Mm. You hold the same for others, Adam Lallana, for example. That's, that's a great question. I've been like, I, 
I I think my animus towards Virgil Van Dyke isn't even because he got transferred from Southampton. 